Listener Production. Hello and welcome to another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast where Rosie Waterland and I give you just the gist of what you need to know about a topic that might come up at a dinner party. Our goal is to give you enough information to help you be able to bluff through a conversation like that at some point should the need arise. I'm here with Rosie Waterland. My name's Jacob Stanley and this week we are going to be talking about... Drum roll, please. This week I'm going to be giving you just the gist of the fake... Fake heiress Anna Delvey. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, you're going <laughs> to love it. It's the best story ever. Anna Delvey. Yeah. It's this chick who just faked her way through New York high society and she was a nobody from the middle of bum F nowhere in Russia. So getting on it. Okay. Wait, your face is like you're registering like you kind of know. Was she pretending to be Princess Anastasia? No. No? Oh. (laughs) No. Is that the only thing you know about Russia? (laughs) The Anastasia story? (laughs) A lot of my historical knowledge is based on Disney movies, yes. Yes, as it should be. Mm. Um, Okay, but first, shall we do it? Ready? (laughs) Breaking news, breaking news. I got the scoop. See? X-ray, X-ray, read all about it. Breaking. Thank you so much. It feels weird because Dino's getting me to do it into the camera now, and it feel like it makes me way more performative than yeah. usual when I know I'm on. It works. I know. It's building every week. <laughs> it's building every week. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so the first breaking news I want to talk about is it just broke like this morning. Mm. Um, Elon Musk and Grimes uh, had a baby. Grimes is like a weirdo, creepy singer lady and Mm. Elon Musk is Elon Musk. And they named it, I can't (laughs) even, i got to just read you the letters because, okay, they named it X Mm. and then like some weird symbol that I don't know, A-12. Oh, you're kidding. No. The child has punctuation (laughs) and a number in its name and an invented symbol. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's an invented symbol. I think it's like some weird maths. I don't know. But X, some symbol, A-12. And um, someone on Twitter asked, it, said, "Does that is that pronounced Archangel? And Elon replied, yes. What? Uh, did you explain? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so that's what Elon Musk and Grimes called their little bebe, kind of inspired by Prince, just uh-huh. a weird symbol, A-12, kind of like what we'll all be called in 200 years when we're, like, living in Soylent Green 1984 weird times. Yeah, our names will be barcodes. Yeah, our names will be, like, 7-219-4, mm. orange. <laughs> circle. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Um, And then he also tweeted a photo of the baby, but he'd um, photoshopped fake tattoos all over its face. So I just love that billionaires are like so annoying. And apparently he's been tweeting out in the last 24 hours that um, the baby has made him realize that possessions mean nothing. And so he's started selling all his possessions and all his houses because like, who needs stuff, you know? <laughs> Which I, I love it when billionaires say things like that. Like, 
Like everyone acts like John Lennon was so profound. Like imagine like no possessions. It's like, yeah, you live in a effing high rise apartment on like the Upper East Side in New York. Mm -hmm. Like shut the F up, you gazillionaire. Mm -hmm. It's easy for you to imagine no possessions because it's a novelty to you. (laughs) Try having none. (laughs) Then sing Imagine. (laughs) Wow. (sighs) Stupid billionaires. Um, The other thing I want to talk about is... So they've uh, finally locked down the first uh, Joe Exotic series like mm. that they're going to make for Netflix. Mm. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of different series, but this is the first one they've officially announced and they've picked the perfect person to play Joe Exotic. Nicolas Cage! <laughs> so good. I know, it's so, like, it is just perfect casting. And I feel like he doesn't watch TV. He probably doesn't understand what it is. It's the first TV project he's ever done. I feel Mm. like someone had to sit him down and explain to him why he'd be perfect for this role and why he should do television. And, but he's signed on and it's happening. So I'm very excited. Uh Yeah. And do you predict that he's going to be really good in the role or do you think maybe he's going to be so bad that he's wonderful in the role? That's the thing with Nicolas Cage. He can go either way. Yeah. Like, he has literally been an Oscar winner and he's been, like, <laughs> the worst actor of all time. So, but the thing is, no matter which it is, it's watchable. He's a loud actor. Everything that he does, his face, his voice, his gestures, everything is very loud, very big. So I think he's going to be perfect for this role. But he's in two of my all-time favourite movies, Con Air, amazing, and Face Off, also <laughs> equally amazing. I love both those movies so much. Face Off is a movie that I could just watch anytime it's on. Really? It's so stupid. <laughs> like, I love it. I love Face Off. And Con Air, man, oh, so good. Um, oh, and the other very quick thing I want to put in breaking news is um, a very good friend of mine, Sam Peterson, is a filmmaker and he made a documentary over the course of quite a few years with uh, the comedian Fiona O'Loughlin. I love And her. all about her um, struggles with alcoholism mm. and, you know, falling on and off the wagon and going to rehab and then trying to get back into comedy. Um, Sam's very, like, good friends with her, so he... Uh, you know, filmed a lot of um, pretty personal, intimate stuff with her. Mm. Um, it's called Lady O'Loughlin and it premiered on SBS Viceland this week. Mm. So you can now watch it on SBS Online. Cool. So it's called Lady O'Loughlin and it's amazing. I've seen her live a few times. I've bought her book. She She's is so phenomenal. funny. And this documentary is just, as someone who had an alcoholic mother, like I watch, I was so, Sam showed it to me about a year ago because he mm. wanted to know my thoughts on what he had edited so far, and it's just amazing. Mm. Like the, I've never really seen a documentary that shows what it's really like to live with someone with alcoholism, and and what it's really like for that person to continually mm. fall off the wagon and then have to try again. Like mm. so often, you just see someone decides to get sober and that's it; they're sober. Mm. But it's just like it was with my mother again and again and again and again Mm. and again. And she's really open about that fact. And it's really just, oh, it's such a good documentary. So everyone go and watch Lady O'Loughlin on SBS Online. Shall we get to it? (gasps) Please. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited about this one. I've been wanting to do this one for so long, but, Mm. like, it's just there's quite a lot to it. And so I sort of have notes and I kept putting things off. And then I found this book about it. So mm-hmm. I wanted to wait till I'd read the book. And uh, so I'm excited to finally be doing it. Yay. 
And you know how much I love female con artists. Yes. So <laughs> they're my favourite <laughs> topics. <laughs> so this is just the gist on the fake heiress Anna Delvey. Mm. And I had it here in my notes, have you heard anything about her, but you thought she was related to Anastasia. So I thought no. she was Anastasia. I thought <laughs> Anna was just a truncation <laughs> of Anastasia. Uh, because all of your knowledge of history comes from... <laughs> Disney. Um, by the way, that's I love that animated movie, the Anastasia one. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a really good one. Yeah. And John Cusack voices the sexy man friend, and I love his voice. So he was always one of my favorite Disney mm-hmm. men. I think he's one of the most attractively drawn Disney cartoon characters. That's true too, as well. Yes. And it's disturbing that we're having this conversation, but um, mm, mm. he's in mm-hmm. the top five. Oh, by the way, just speaking of hot Disney princes. Mm. You know what really messed with my head as a kid? That mm. I was super attracted to the fox that played um, Robin Hood. Do you remember the <laughs> Do you remember the animated version of Robin Hood where it was all animals and Robin Hood was a fox? I was so into him. Oh. Like, what's that about? Mm. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> You've got a psychologist and a psychiatrist to ask about that. I'm not going to weigh in with an opinion. How <laughs> that fox Robin Hood? He was hot as. Um, okay, here we go. So, Anna Delvey is a girl Mm. who managed to live in New York for about four years in expensive hotels, Mm. eating at the best restaurants, socialising with the richest people because everyone thought she was a wealthy heiress from a billionaire German family. Mm -hmm. But she was just a grifter who is now in prison after being caught almost getting, almost getting, she almost got it, a $25 million loan from a bank. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing that I kind of love about her is she's not sorry. Like, she has just leaned into her criminal status and she's like, yeah, I nearly did it, mofos. (laughs) So this is the story of Anna (laughs) Delvey. Buckle in. (laughs) So she's born Anna Sorokin in Russia Mm -hmm. in 1991 to lower middle class parents. Her dad was a truck driver. Her mom was a housewife. They then moved to Germany when she was 16 because her dad got a better job there. So her mm-hmm. dad started making, like, quite good money then. Um, she graduated high school and got into the Central St. Martin's Art School in London, mm-hmm. which is pretty legit. That's an art school people, you know, come from all over the world to go to. Mm-hmm. So her dad agrees to pay for it and to pay for all her living expenses while she's in London going to art school. She goes to London for a bit but never actually goes to art school and decides that that's for chumps. So she drops out and she gets an internship at Purple Magazine in Paris. And Purple Magazine is a very exclusive fashion magazine. It's Mm. very sceny. It's very like all the highest, most fanciest models and photographers and editors. You know, it's basically like working at the hipster version of Vogue. Mm -hmm. And so her parents are pissed off, but they agree to pay for her move to Paris and to pay for all her living expenses there because she basically tells them, like, like this is where I think she's smart. She wants to be among people with power and influence straight away, and she's like, why would you go to university? That's for chumps. Like, mm. get right in there. And I got to say, I kind of feel the same after wasting three years of my life at university. <laughs> so... And Elizabeth Holmes made it work for her as well. I'm with her. I'm with Anna up till now. I'm still in. I'm still in. 
So it's at Purple Magazine in Paris that she starts calling herself Anna Delvey mm. and tells people that she's from Germany, even though she can not speak great German and she has a Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, she gets in with all the editors of the magazine. So this is where she's smart again. She's like, she doesn't want to go to university. She wants to be in the industry. And then when she's in the industry, she's like, I don't want to just be an intern. I want to be up there with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. So she gets in with all the editors and starts going to a lot of exclusive like parties and stuff. And people say she has a real talent of figuring out who the best person in the room is to be connected with and just zeroing in on that person and not giving an F about anybody else. Like she doesn't waste time on nobodies. Mm. And um, she's dropping the purple magazine name everywhere because that gets her some clout. Like it's like, you know, when I say it's the equivalent of Vogue, it kind of is. It's like if you go to get into an exclusive party and say, oh, I'm here from Purple Magazine, they'll let you straight in. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, when she's 22, she goes with some Purple Magazine staff to New York to cover New York Fashion Week. And while she's there, she goes to like every exclusive party that she can and she makes sure that she gets photographed everywhere so to get her face in the social pages. Um, and so she starts to seem legit, like this legit kind of socialite who's going to all these parties with all these cliquey society people. Mm -hmm. And these people will, because of how cliquey it is, they'll just accept you if they think you're one of them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something she understands. Mm -hmm. She's like, act like fake it till you make it. If you act like you're one of them, they will just assume that you are and not question it. Mm -hmm. And so she, um, gets really good at kind of seamlessly fitting herself in to these parties and these groups. And I was listening to this podcast about her and this girl, and we'll put all the details in the show notes of everything I listened to and consumed because there's so much and it's I'm obsessed. I mm. went down so many rabbit holes. But there was this girl who knew her and was at some party with her and the girl was like, oh, my God, look over there, Anna, there's so-and-so. And it was like some famous photographer. And Anna was like, oh, he's a good friend of mine. Um, <laughs> let me just go say hi and then I'll call you over. So Anna goes, says hi, and the girl mm. watches them chatting and then Anna motions for her to come over. She comes over and they start talking. They interview the photographer mm. and he's like, I had never met her in my life. Mm. She came over to me at this party and said, oh, hey, you know, I think we have some mutual friends from Purple Magazine. We started chatting about the people we knew for a couple of minutes. Then her friend came over and Anna introduced me as her oldest, bestest friend in New York. <laughs> and he said, I just started laughing because I thought she was being funny. Like, mm. I thought she was being ironic. Like, yeah. we just met. And she was like, oh, here's my oldest friend. So I laughed yeah. and we said, but she was actually pulling off a scam. Like, this wow. girl thought it was. And so she just was really clever at doing things like that. Yeah, yeah. So after being in New York for a few weeks, she decides she wants to stay there. She's mm. like, Paris is for chumps, New York is where it's at. And apparently there was some dodginess at Purple Magazine. They're quite embarrassed by their association with her in this whole thing. Mm. So apparently she was fired, but they won't really say what happened. It's not really confirmed. But I honestly think it was the same as art school and the same as the internship. She was like, screw this, like that's not powerful or important enough. I mm. want to come here and just start faking it until I make it here. Mm. And so she tells her parents she wants to live in New York now and they get the shits because they're like, you know, you dropped out of uni, art school. Now, you you know, that we supported you through this internship. What are you going to do in New York? And she's just like, New York is where it's at. And mm. they're like, well, like we're going to support you for like a month or so, but you've got to get a job and support yourself. Either like come home or go to university or do something. We're not just paying for you to gallivant around New York. Mm -hmm. And so 
This is pretty much where she starts telling everyone in New York that she's a German heiress with an $80 million trust fund. <laughs> and so she keeps details of her family pretty vague, mm. but there's lots of, of rumours about what her family and what her dad does for a living. But whatever it is, it's just understood that she's rich as F. Mm-hmm. And it seems legit to people like... She was an intern at Purple Magazine, which is something rich kids do. They'll mm-hmm. go and do a token internship at a really cool place. Mm-hmm. And then she turned up in New York and she's like, yeah, I'm from this rich family in Europe. And she's been at all the parties and her photo's been in the paper. So people are like, seems legit. Mm-hmm. She checks herself into a fancy hotel and buys some expensive stuff. And this is where she's smart again. So she'll buy like one expensive thing. So mm-hmm. she'll wear a pair of Celine because she wears like, Uh, eyeglasses. Mm -hmm. So she has a really expensive pair of Celine glasses and then she'll wear all black. Mm -hmm. So you can't really tell like where it's from Mm -hmm. and people will be like, I love your dress and she'll go Alexander McQueen. (laughs) But it's probably like, you know, from Target. But like Mm -hmm. she just knows how to look kind of rich. Mm -hmm. But another interesting thing that people said was she could pull it off with stuff like that. But something that a lot of rich people said gave her away is that she always had really crappy hair because Mm -hmm. that's something that you can't really fudge. Mm -hmm. And so like people would say, yeah, she looked the part, but then I'd look at her hair and I'd be like, what do you go to Just Cuts? Like, what's wrong with you? (laughs) She also like um, tipped a lot. So she always paid for expensive lunches and dinners and she always put down lots of cash and Mm. she was at all the right events. And so nobody was questioning that she was just this heiress who had just moved to New York Mm. and was wanting to get to know people. And all those people in those cliques are like, yes, you're one of us. Come be friends with us, new girl to New York. Mm -hmm. But her parents' cash was only going to last like a hot minute. Yep. And was she getting into a fair amount of debt at this point as well? Not yet, but I'll explain. Okay. So here's where she starts grifting people mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> banks. <laughs> so she pretty much had her parents' money for like a second and mm-hmm. then was like, I've got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So by the time her parents stopped giving her money, she's established herself as like a legit wealthy heiress on the New York social scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'd been telling everyone at all these dinners and parties and whatever um, that she's in New York because she wants to start a private club with her trust fund. Mm -hmm. So she wants to start like a club slash art gallery space and call it the Anna Delvey Foundation. (laughs) Um, People say when she described it, it sounded like her own version of Soho House. Uh So can you, for people who don't know, describe what a private club like Soho House is? I'm lucky enough to have had friends in London, New York, and Miami mm. take me into Soho House. And Stop it. It's one of those. It's where Harry and Meghan mm. had their first date, by the way. Really? Uh-huh. In what city? London. Okay. There's a few mm. scattered around London. Um, so I think you pay an exorbitant annual fee to mm. then get access, and I think you still need to book a table or a chair or whatever so it doesn't become too crowded at any point, but they'll usually have you know, rooftop swimming pools and beautiful cocktail bars and restaurant areas and chill-out zones. Mm. And it's just a place for, you know, rich people to escape the hoi polloi. Yeah, like it's a place where you can go and have a meal or a drink or whatever and you mm. don't have to worry about riffraff. Yes. So she wants to start her own, like her own one of that. A sanctuary away from the pores. Yes, and, you know, call it the like not at all self-absorbed Anna Delvey Foundation. Mm -hmm. Her big thing is that she's grown (laughs) up around arts and the arts and artists. And so she wants her club to exclusively show um, the work of emerging artists. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like she's also being generous Mm -hmm. 
in opening this private arts club. Mm-hmm. So she's telling people she's in New York scouting locations and designers to get everything set up. Um, And everybody thinks it's true. Like, why wouldn't it be? Mm. Like, this is the kind of stuff people in those super rich circles do talk about with each other. So Mm -hmm. there's no reason not to believe her. Um, And this is where the benefit of the doubt that people give wealthy people really comes Mm -hmm. into play. So she manages to stay with people for a bit, just like, you know, spending the winter break at so-and-so's lake house Mm -hmm. or like... You know, um, she made friends with this super rich kid who was into the same art stuff as her and they decided they wanted to go to this big exhibition in some country. And um, she was like, oh, can you just, like, I'm terrible with details. Can you book everything and I'll just give you the money? So he's Mm. like, sure. So they went overseas for, like, two weeks. Everything was on him. And then, like, she just never paid him. Mm. And he was like, oh... Like, you know, and someone said to him later, didn't that bother you? And he's like, well, it wasn't really a lot of money to me because this kid's a millionaire. And he goes, you know, I just figured she forgot about it. Mm. And that's because that's how rich people often are with money. Mm. To them, it's of no consequence. Mm. They don't quite understand money. Like, They understand money. It's not that they don't understand it. I think they understand it in a different way to us. Pause, us chumps, mm-hmm. us yep. pause. Um, and so, you know, when she sort of didn't have the cash to pay for something or didn't, like, the rich people around her would cover it mm. and it just wasn't really a thing. It was like, oh, whatever, they don't even think about a $200 lunch. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, but she can't do that forever. So then she starts doing something called check kiting, which is basically, I mean, we don't have a huge check like, and I mean written checks. Yeah, yeah. We don't have a huge check culture in mm. Australia like because we haven't used them for so long, but they're still quite common in the US and mm. particularly a few years ago, I mean, this was uh, the mid-20-teens, um, were used quite a bit. Mm. And so it's a thing where you write a bunch of dodgy checks from one account, mm-hmm. deposit them into another bank account, mm-hmm. and then in the time between that check being deposited and it clearing, you can withdraw the money. Mm-hmm. And so she would write like... $5,000 worth of checks, put it into an account, quickly withdraw $5,000 before those checks would bounce. And then she'd like spend some of that $5,000, but then take the money and put it into the other account that she'd written the checks from to sort of cover that. And then she'd do it with another account to cover that. So it's kind of like just borrowing <laughs> money from all over banks in New York, hoping that it never catches up with you and then using the money you've taken from that one to pay into that one and then using the money you've taken from that one to pay into that one. So she was, but it can't, like at some point that's going to crumble. It can't last forever. But this is how she's getting by, writing dodgy checks. That is such an exceptionally flawed system that it's impossible to do that for a couple of days. I know, but this is, I mean, there's so many banks. Um, in the US, mm. it's quite different to Australia. Like they have so many different banks like it's not just like commonwealth st george Mm. and two others it's like there's so many different branded banks so i think she just was good at Mm. avoiding it Mm -hmm. so she's doing that she's getting a bit of cash doing that um she um checks into this fancy hotel and she tells them that um she can't put a credit card down because um she's like but she's this german millionaire and her money's in this german account and her finance broker will contact them about doing a wire transfer to cover her hotel bill. Mm-hmm. And because she's rich and people give rich people the benefit of the doubt, they're like, absolutely, Miss Delvey, here's a room, check in. Mm-hmm. So she checks into this super fancy hotel 
and she starts just charging everything to her room. Mm -hmm. So she'll eat at the restaurants in the hotel and drink at the bar in the hotel and invite people to have dinner in the hotel. So it all gets charged to her room so she never has to actually pay for anything. Mm -hmm. And she's like dropping $100 tips and ordering $200 bottles of wine. So they think she's (laughs) rich. Um, And then when they start chasing her for the money, she'll either cover it by check kiting, so she'll quickly get some cash Mm. through dodgy means and pay them, or she'll just check out and disappear Mm -hmm. and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Again, which can't last long because New York's a big city, but it's not that big. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you're going to get busted eventually. And she also starts to get actually serious, like, serious about the Anna Delvey Foundation. Like, it's not just a dream, like a dodgy thing that she's telling people about. And this is where I think she's quite similar to our old bestie Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. Mm. Because you can't be fully certain if it was all intended as a fraud from the start Mm. or if she was actually faking it until she makes it Mm. and she believes she's going to make it Mm. if she can just keep it going a bit longer until she gets everything together. So the Anna Delvey Foundation is something that she's actually taking steps to make happen. Like Mm. through the connections she's made in New York, she's introduced to really important finance managers and brokers and she hires one of them. And this, like, because finance brokers are like, for us pause, we don't (laughs) need them. But they basically like, if you want to apply for a loan, you don't do any of that work, mm-hmm. they go and organize all of that for you. Mm-hmm. You just say, I want this loan, this bank to give me a million dollars and your finance broker sorts it out. Mm-hmm. So she gets one of these brokers. She says that she needs, she's a billionaire heiress with a huge trust fund coming her way and she needs a $25 million loan to get her foundation off the ground because she doesn't want to rely on her parents. She wants to do this herself. Mm-hmm. So she's really like, and so this broker like goes around um to a bunch of banks to see about getting her this loan. She has this very fancy marketing deck, which is Mm -hmm. like a marketing presentation Mm -hmm. that she paid one of the best marketing firms in New York to put together for her about the Anna Delvey Foundation. But when I say she paid them, I mean they invoiced her for it and she never paid them. (laughs) They were chasing her for months um, and never got their money. Mm -hmm. Um, So she has this very professional presentation about this foundation like build club that she wants to start so Mm. the broker's showing that to all the banks and blah 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 and um she is inviting people to meetings at her hotel like she gets i can't remember the exact chef but he's pretty much like like heston blumenthal level chef Mm. agrees to open a restaurant in her foundation club Mm -hmm. like she's getting she's having meetings with actual real people who are very excited to get on board with this rich girl who seems to just be throwing cash around to let you do things in her cool new club. Yeah, why not? She wants to lease the building. um, It's a very famous building called the Church Mission Building in New York. It's like a very ancient, historic old church. It's like five stories high. Mm -hmm. The lease is like $20 million. But if she can get this loan, even if she gets it fraudulently, she could lease this building. She's had all these meetings with all these people. She could pay them. (laughs) She could actually pull this off. Like, I think she starts to think, Mm. I could do this. Mm. And so this is how close she comes to getting the loan. Mm. I I cannot believe this. So a couple of banks that the finance broker approaches turn her down. They're like, no. But then one says, yeah, we'll give you $25 million loan. Just give us $100,000, like, surety so we can do our due diligence looking into whether you're legit. Mm. And so Anna's like, yep, no problem. I can get you $100,000. So she somehow convinces another bank by, like, check-kiting a bunch of money into the account 
that she's got money mm. and this other bank gives her a $100,000 line of credit. <laughs> so she, this bank gives her $100,000. Mm. She pays that $100,000 to the bank that's going to give her a loan. She's mm. like, here's $100,000, look into me. <laughs> and at this point, it must be so close she can freaking taste it. Mm. Like this bank is like, we're going to give you $25 million, just give us $100,000 like... Um, you know, surety, deposit, deposit, Mm. and it's yours. Mm. And she does it. And so she must just think, I'll pay back that 100,000 when I get my 25 mil, no Mm. dramas. And so they start doing their due diligence. Mm. Um, They want to talk to, and she's all over it. Like she covers everything. They want to talk to her German money manager. She gives them a number. They call it, someone answers. (laughs) They talk to them. Like they want bank statements from her family's trust. She sends them over. Looks legit. Mm. Like it's all her, obviously. It's all fraudulent. Mm. It's all forged, fake stuff. And then someone, thank God, they must be thinking now, Mm. at the bank is like, okay, we're about to give this girl $25 million dollars. We can't just go off someone we've talked to on the phone and some forms she sent us. I think we actually need to go to Germany and meet her family's accountant Mm. at the bank and verify in person at the bank that her family is worth billions of dollars. It's worth the cost of that plane ticket, yes. And that's what she paid them $100,000 for. So they're not even paying for it. Like, Mm. that's what her money pays for. Mm. And so they tell her that. And at that point, she says, "Um, I don't need the loan anymore. Um, I've decided I'm just going to ask my dad for the money. (laughs) And they're like, can you imagine how devo she must have been when they Mm. told her that? Like, she thought she was so close. You can't fake a real meeting at a bank. Mm. And so they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. And so they've spent about $40,000 of the $100,000 she gave them doing the due diligence on her. So they give her $60,000 back, which she immediately withdraws and just starts spending. She's got 60 grand. Mm -hmm. Like the plan sort of didn't happen, but she's got 60 grand. Mm -hmm. Um, She has a $30,000 bill at the hotel she's been staying at that they've been threatening to kick her out over. So she pays $30,000 to her hotel and she's Mm -hmm. like, see, I told you I had money. (laughs) And that leaves her with 30. And apparently, according to the concierge at the hotel who she'd kind of befriended, Mm -hmm. this was at a this was the point where she starts spending crazy money. Like she's dropping all her $100 tips and mm. she hires um, Dakota Johnson's personal trainer for private sessions because she was really famous because Dakota Johnson had just been naked in Fifty Shades of Grey, so everyone wanted her personal trainer. Mm. And she's getting like $500 facials and she's just like, I, I, I just can't. She got $60,000. Save it, girl. Mm. Put it under your pillow. Like why is she spending it? I don't, anyway. There's more where that came from. And exactly. She's figured out a way to rot the system. So the concierge said people would fight to make deliveries to her room because you knew every time you went up there you'd get a $100 tip. Mm. Like, it was nuts. So how does it all fall apart? Because it's going to, obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's in prison now, so obviously it did. Mm-hmm. Things come crashing down because of a girl called Rachel Deloach-Williams. So Rachel is a photo editor at Vanity Fair. She's not like super rich or like from a famous New York society family or anything, but her job does mean she's well connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's well connected enough for Anna to be interested in befriending her. Mm. Um, She wrote a book about her experience with Anna, which makes it hard to feel sorry for her. Like she's not rich, but you know. She talks about her family's holiday house in Connecticut and Mm. travelling with friends for the weekend to, you know, Cuba and, and like, her apartment in Manhattan that she can afford to live in. Like, so she's she's not super rich, but she's not a poor. Mm -hmm. Like, she's 
She's very privileged. Upper, upper middle. Upper, 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 upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel meets Anna through, they have some mutual friends and they start hanging out. And this is around the time Anna has that 30 grand that she's just spending everywhere. So mm-hmm. Anna is paying for everything when Rachel first meets her. And as far as Rachel knows, she's this heiress. She's a billionaire. And she invites Rachel to come to the fancy trainer and she takes Rachel to the expensive facials and she, like, ha- takes her to expensive dinners all the time. So Rachel is, like, there's no reason for her to think Anna isn't super rich. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel likes all the free stuff. She <laughs> likes all the parties. She <laughs> likes hanging out with someone who pays for everything. Mm-hmm. The concierge friend, um, Neferati, um, that's her name, but they call her Neff by a nickname, um, mm. hangs out with them too. So it's kind of the three of them, Rachel and Neff and Anna hang out quite a lot. Uh-huh. And Neff says, like, Anna seemed to know everyone. Like, one night she was hosting a dinner and Neff was sitting next to Macaulay Culkin mm. and she was like, I don't know how Anna knows him or... And she was also like, and I was just a concierge and I felt like when you're a rich person, you're not allowed to be like, so did Michael Jackson, you know. Yeah. Like she, She's like, that's all I wanted to know. But I was like trying to <laughs> act like I fit in. Um, but I think it was one of those things where lots of people knew her, but everybody assumed everybody else was her good friend. Mm-hmm. Like nobody knew that none of them really knew anything about her. Right. But this is the point where, like, a lot of people have started to write her off as a bit weird and it's no coincidence that her only two friends and people she's hanging out with at this point Mm. are some photo editor from a magazine and the concierge of her hotel. Mm. Like, all the other rich people she's been hanging out with have slowly started to be like, what's Mm -hmm. your deal? Go away. Mm. Um, And then they also hang out with the personal trainer becomes their friend. She's called Casey. Mm -hmm. So they've sort of got this little group and Anna pays for everything. Mm -hmm. So Anna has to leave the US every six months because of her visa. You know how you have to leave the country and then come back in? Mm. And so that's coming up. And so she starts talking about, let's make it a fun trip and Mm. we'll all go and I'll pay for everything. And Rachel's like, ZOMG, I'm in. She loves it (laughs) because Anna pays for everything. So they invite Neff, but Neff can't go. They invite the personal trainer, Casey, and then Anna decides she's thinking about hiring someone to make a documentary about the Anna Delvey Foundation Mm. Um, and so Rachel introduces her to a filmmaker friend of hers called Jesse. And so Anna <laughs> invites Jesse. So it's this weird little group of it's Rachel, the personal trainer Casey, mm. Rachel's friend Jesse, and Anna. And Anna books a trip to Marrakesh to stay in this massive villa that's like $10,000 a night that like royalty and famous people stay in. Basically, have you seen Sex in the City too? You know that oh. place they stay? It's basically like that. Like <laughs> Such a travesty, but yes, it's, I have It's seen a terrible it. movie, but yes, that is the kind of place they booked, Anna booked for Marrakesh. Mm. Now, on the day they're meant to leave, Anna hasn't booked any flights. But Rachel just figures, oh, well, she's really flighty, and this is how rich people are. Like, they just book a flight, and then 10 minutes later they go to the airport. Mm. Like, they don't care about specials or whatever. But as the day goes on, Rachel starts to stress because Jesse's her friend and Jesse thinks it's a work trip. So he's like, what's happening? Why isn't mm. it booked? And so Rachel kind of feels like it's on her. So she calls Anna and Anna's like, oh, I've been stuck in meetings all day. Can you book the flights? And and Rachel, who as a photo editor has to book trips for photo shoots and stuff all the time, is really mm. good at organising stuff. So she's like, yeah, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. So Anna sends through a credit card. Rachel goes to book flights for that night, but the card doesn't go through. Mm-hmm. And Anna's like, oh, I don't know what's happening. I'll call them. 
And so Anna calls Rachel back and says, oh, there's some issue with my bank, but the airline booking office is about to close. We really need to book the tickets. And then doesn't suggest it, but, like, says just enough that Mm. Rachel feels that she should jump in and suggest it. So Mm -hmm. Rachel says, why don't I just put it on my card Mm -hmm. and you can give me the money? And Anna's like, excellent, good, Mm -hmm. good idea. Mm -hmm. So Rachel books the flights on her card to Marrakesh. They all go to the airport. When they're at the airport, um, there's things like because it's a work trip for Jesse, like all his luggage, like he has a lot of video equipment that costs extra to check and Mm -hmm. and Anna has no money to pay for that because her card's still not working. Mm -hmm. So Rachel's like, okay, Anna's like, well, do you want to just pay it and I'll just pay you all this money as soon as my card's fixed. Mm -hmm. And so Rachel, from the point they're at the airport in America, is paying for everything. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> but Rachel's like, and she says now, like in her book, it's, it's hard. Like I said, it's hard to feel sorry for her, but you kind of do. But like, mm. she's like, you know, there was no reason for me not to think she was a billionaire. I'd seen her charter a helicopter, mm. like which she had and a chartered a helicopter and then never paid for it. Like she's like, I'd seen her go to a tech conference in San Francisco, like on a private plane. Like mm. I, there was no reason for me not to think she was a billionaire and that rich people are just flippant with money and she'll pay me back. Mm-hmm. So they get to Marrakesh and the first couple of days are lovely, but Casey, the trainer, gets food poisoning and goes home, which she says later, thank God. Mm. Um, the hotel's amazing. They get they have a private butler. There's a concierge who anything they want to do, they just get booked private tours of the city. Like they have private tours of the local markets where Rachel's still paying for everything that Anna wants. Mm-hmm. Like Anna gets like $3,000 worth of um, tailor-made clothes and Rachel pays for it. And Anna's like, oh, when my card's fixed, I'll just, I'll give it back to you. (laughs) Um, And Rachel's like, okay, boop. (laughs) Um, But Anna pretty much wants to stay at the villa all the time. Like Mm. she doesn't want to explore Marrakesh, um, which is because everything at the villa is just charged to your Mm -hmm. room. It's charged to your hotel bill. One night, they come back from being out to dinner or something, and the hotel management are in their room looking really threatening. Mm. And they say that there is no form of payment attached to the room, um, and they need somebody to, like, put a credit card down Mm. immediately. Mm. And this is, like, a $10,000 a night room. So this is not, like, this is serious (laughs) money. And Rachel says Anna acts really indignant towards them. She's like, Mm. like, I don't look, there must just be a problem with my car. Let me call my bank. And then, like, she's, like, on the phone to someone and then she's, like, the bank says they'll sort it out and, like, it'll be done in the morning. Mm. And they're, like, no, we're not leaving. Someone is putting down a card. And Rachel says Anna just acts really bizarre and just sits down on the couch and just won't and just stares into space and won't do anything. (laughs) And Rachel's, like, Anna, like, you've got to sort something out. Mm. Like, talk to someone else at your bank. Can you call your parents? And Anna's, like... I told them the bank would sort it out by morning. If they don't want to accept that, then what? Is this all being documented by that Jesse guy? No, he's no. not filming this stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Basi- apparently, he went there expecting to be filming a whole bunch of serious footage and mm. all she really wanted him to do was take Instagram photos of her. So that's all he did the whole time. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, Anna just sits there staring into space while these threatening men and, like, will just stop talking to the men, basically mm. acted like they weren't in the room. And Rachel's like, um, I don't know what to do. And what's happening? And the men are like, we need someone to put a credit card down now. We're going to call the police. Mm. 
and um, they're like, look, we need just anyone's credit card. If your friend is going to sort her account out tomorrow, then why don't you just give us your card? And, like, we won't charge it. It'll just be the card we have on hold mm. until we get Anna's card. And so Rachel hands over her personal credit card, but there's not enough money on that for there to be a hold on that mm. for how much the hotel is. So she also hands over her Vanity Fair work credit card that's meant for work expenses because she's like, because in her head she's like, we're going to get arrested. Someone has to hand over a credit card. Here you go. Oh. So she just, and she's like, Anna will take care of it. Anna will pay for it. Mm. It's just a whole, doesn't matter. The next day, Rachel has organised to fly from Marrakesh to Europe to meet up with some friends mm. for like a week. So Rachel leaves and Anna promises like, don't worry, I'll sort it. The mm. money will be in your account, like whatever. Don't worry about it. Like you'll be fine. And a few days later, Rachel sees that the hotel in Marrakesh, like, because she hasn't been able to use her credit cards because there's been this hold on them, mm -hmm. but she assumed Anna would put her card down, her credit cards would get released, she'd be fine. Mm -hmm. A few days later, Rachel sees that the hotel in Marrakesh has charged her personal and work credit cards <laughs> for the hotel stay, mm -hmm. and it's a combined total of $65,000. <laughs> Anna, meanwhile, has left the hotel. Mm. Jesse, the videographer who stayed with her a couple of extra days, um, said that like Anna was meant to book him a trip home mm. because it was a work trip and, and she just kept not booking, not booking, not booking, not booking. And eventually he was like, I don't think this girl has any money. So he just went to the hotel and booked his own flight home and left because mm -hmm. he was like, I, mm, I don't know. And so Rachel <laughs> is in Europe. She's living off her savings because her credit cards, you know, she owes $65,000 on them. And she's calling Anna and like, and Anna, the thing with her is she's not avoiding it. She's like, totally, um, I'm on the phone with my parents, like bank mm. person. The money will go through to you. Like, don't, I don't know why they charged you. They shouldn't have done that. Like, I'll sort this out. Mm. And and so Rachel every day is looking in her account, like, is the money there? Mm. Is the money there? Because she's freaking out, A, because she has no money. Mm. B, because she put it on her work credit card. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to get fired. Like, <laughs> Like, that is for literally, like, buying coffees for people at meetings. Like, yeah. that's not. And so <laughs> Rachel gets back to New York a couple of weeks later. She keeps hassling Anna. Anna keeps giving her excuses. She talks to Jesse, who's like, like, Rachel, I hate to tell you this, but I think Anna's a scammer. And Jesse's like, no. I mean, um, Rachel's like, no, she can't be. She's rich. I've seen her on a helicopter. And so <laughs> Rachel then calls the personal trainer, Casey, and Casey says that Anna called her from Marrakesh crying, saying mm. there was a mix-up with her bank and could Casey please book her a ticket home and she'll pay her in a few days when this, it's sorted out. Mm. And Casey was like, oh, okay. And Anna was like, by the way, can you book first class? <laughs> and so Casey <laughs> booked her a first class ticket home from Marrakesh and Casey was like, yeah, she still hasn't paid me. I've been struggling to get in touch with her. Mm. So Rachel and Casey are like, what the F? Mm. Does she have any money? But Rachel still doesn't think it's a scam. She's like, maybe her parents have cut her off and she's mm. too embarrassed to tell us. Like, maybe her parents give her a monthly allowance and she went over it mm. and she's waiting till next month. Like, because it, it's just not conceivable in her brain that she's not a billionaire. Mm. And so <laughs> Rachel's hassling her every day, checking her account. The credit card companies are chasing her. She can't make the minimum payment because mm. what would that be for $65,000? Like a lot. The minimum payment would be a lot. Yeah, I don't even... Neither of us I, are good enough of yeah, financial finance for that. 
Um, she has to borrow money off a family friend to pay off the work credit card so she won't lose her job. Mm. She starts tracking down other people who have their own Anna stories. Mm -hmm. And so that's when she realises that things are a bit dodgy. So the mutual friends that she met Anna through um, don't talk to Anna anymore because Mm. of just, like, money that never got paid back. She, like, talks to this other guy who said, you know, I became convinced she didn't have any money. She Mm. kept, like... Like, at first when you're not paying for things, it's like, oh, whatever, it's an accident, but then it just became obvious. And so she's like, something's dodgy Mm -hmm. with Anna. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, things aren't going great for Anna Mm -hmm. because she's burnt through those 30 Gs. She got a free holiday off this friend in Marrakesh. Mm. And when she gets back, she turns up at her hotel and the concierge, Neff, is like, dude, what are you doing here? Mm. They locked all your stuff in storage and kicked you out Mm. because you owe like 50 grand. Like, (laughs) if I don't tell them you're here, I'm probably going to get in trouble. Please leave. Mm. And so Anna goes to another hotel for a few days. But at that point, the fancy hotels in New York are all like, be on alert for this German redhead who said she's going to wire you money because she won't. Mm -hmm. So then that hotel kicks her out. And one night she turns up at Casey's house crying, saying she needs somewhere to stay because her parents are like withholding money from her to punish her because they want her to come home. And so her credit card access is cut off and please, can she stay over? And Casey's like, oh, fine, stay for a night. Um, she makes her leave the next day, but Anna leaves her laptop there and Casey's like, I know she left that on purpose. So Mm. Casey goes and leaves it with the front desk of her building and the front desk guy calls her and said that um, Anna came, got her laptop and then waited in the foyer for eight hours. (laughs) Just waiting because I don't think she had anywhere else to go. So Anna's been avoiding Rachel at this point. Like um, Rachel's been trying to get in touch with her, trying to get her money, freaking out. And so Casey organises a lunch Mm. with Anna but secretly invites Rachel. Mm. And at the lunch, Rachel and um, Casey are like, Anna, WTF, what's going on? Have your parents cut you off? What's the deal? Mm. And Anna's like, no. Like she just denies, 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 denies. Um, And at the end of the lunch, Rachel's just like, get effed, Anna. Mm. Like get effed. Um, Like I'm going to take this further. I'm going to get a lawyer or whatever. Mm. So a couple days later, Anna gets arrested trying to skip out on a bill at a restaurant. So normally she just goes and eats and then like and charges it to her room, but she's not in any hotel now. Nobody knows where she's staying right now. They think she's like hiring cars and sleeping in cars (laughs) that she hires. I bet she had some pretty like desperate nights at this point. I bet. And she still won't just go to McDonald's. Like mm. she goes to the most expensive restaurants in town and then just tries to walk out. Shots and so this one, dash. yes. Yep. And so this one restaurant won't let her leave. They call the police. She gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when the New York Post is tipped off about this like heiress wannabe mm. who's going around uh, like rorting all these expensive hotels and restaurants around New York. So they write this story about her that comes up in the New York Post. Rachel sees the story. She's like, what the hell? She finally goes to the police (laughs) and the police are like, oh, yeah, actually, um, we probably should look into this girl because it's not just restaurant bills. It turns out there's this whole thing with a $25 million loan and $100,000 from a bank. (laughs) And so they're like, "Mm, yeah, we're going to try and find her. And then at this point, Anna is gone. She's gone. Disappeared. So the New York Post starts writing stories about her. The police have started looking for her, disappeared. Mm. 
So the police say to Rachel, can you please try and contact her and pretend to be her friend? Like, And Rachel's like, I can't. I told her to get effed. Mm. And they're like, no, we need you to be friendly with her so we can figure out where she is mm. because if we tip her off, she might just go back to Germany and then we'll never get her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Rachel starts messaging her like, I'm worried about you. Like, you've disappeared. Like, I'm not angry about the money anymore. I just want to make sure you're okay. Blah, 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 blah. Mm. It takes a few weeks but Anna eventually starts replying. And I think Anna thinks she's hooked her back in again because mm. scammers always think they can hook you back in again. Mm. So Anna eventually tells Rachel, um, I'm really sick. Um, I'm at Passages in Los Angeles, which is one of the most expensive exclusive rehab resorts uh-huh. in the world. Mm. <laughs> um, and so Anna, uh, Rachel tells the police and they're like, we technically can arrest someone in rehab, but it's messy and you need warrants and it's medical privacy stuff. It would be a lot easier for us if you can get her to leave the building Mm -hmm. and then we can arrest her. And so Rachel is going to Los Angeles for work. So Mm -hmm. she messages Anna and says, can we meet up for lunch? Mm -hmm. And this is what I find so funny. Like Anna was so like despo for booze. She messages Rachel and says, can you get a bunch of glass Voss water bottles and tip out the water and fill them up with vodka and bring them when you come to <laughs> <laughs> And Rachel's like, mm, I don't think I'm going to do that, Anna. Anyway. <laughs> so, so she actually was in rehab. Well, she, she had gone to rehab because she assumed that she could hide there and she couldn't get arrested because right. rehabs aren't allowed to reveal your medical information and therefore where you are, that you're there. Right. But she... Um, she didn't think she needed to be in rehab, but she does like to drink. So mm. she's like, man, I really want a cocktail. So she, <laughs> she asked Rachel to sneak her some booze. But anyway, Rachel organises to meet her for lunch. And um, uh, Anna uh, is allowed day leave. Mm. So she leaves the rehab to go and meet Rachel at this restaurant. And the second she sets foot outside of the rehab, a bunch of police officers come and arrest her. Mm-hmm. So Rachel kind of set her up. She's flown back to New York and sent to Rikers Island, which is a pretty notorious prison, which has since shut because it was so dangerous and awful Mm. and terrible. She's brought up on charges of grand larceny, theft of services and defrauding hotels and acquaintances. And this is where she becomes a bit famous, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what she loves. Mm -hmm. So Rachel writes a story about the whole ordeal for Vanity Fair because that's where she works. Mm -hmm. Neff, the concierge, tells her story to a journalist at The Cut um, in New York Magazine and she writes this huge expose uh, on Anna, which goes viral. Like, mm-hmm. people are obsessed with this fake heiress. And so then people become really obsessed with her. Her trial, when she eventually gets put on trial, is filmed and she hires a stylist to dress her every day. So this stylist is pulling looks off the runway Mm. to dress her in each day she goes to court. And when they ask the stylist why, she's like, well, I didn't get paid, but I just figured it was good exposure for me as a stylist. Mm. And she did look fabulous every day. So that stylist did a good job. Um, People start wearing T-shirts around New York saying things like German heiress or my other T-shirt will wire you $60,000. People are obsessed with her. Um, She's offered a plea for hardly any jail time, Mm. like months, but it's only if she agrees to go back to Germany immediately and do the jail time in Germany. Germany. And she won't because she knows that even being in 
prison in the US mm. is better for her commercially now that she's getting a bit famous. Mm-hmm. Her lawyer basically pushes her story as like the ultimate New York dream chaser. <laughs> like she came to New York, she came to the Big Apple and she decided to fake it until she could make it. And like she didn't quite get there, but she never intended to defraud anyone. She had big plans and she went after them and she fell a bit short, but she's inspirational. She's a gritty hustler. She's a gritty hustler, which is the New York dream. <laughs> And the jury was like, lol, no. (laughs) And so she's found guilty of grand larceny. She's sentenced to a minimum of four years and a maximum of 12 years in prison. Mm. So the earliest she can be released is May 2021. But it's unlikely that she will be because she's like kind of naughty in prison. She's had like 30 infractions. She's been given solitary confinement. She's Mm. really rude to guards. But she's kind of okay with it because she's famous now. Like, Mm. she gets interviewed by people and, like, she was telling one that she thinks her time in prison is a really fascinating anthropological study. (laughs) Um, She's writing all about her time in New York and her time in prison. Um, She's even posting on Instagram sometimes. So Neff, the concierge, Mm. is pretty much her only friend left. And Neff goes to visit her and, like, so she posted on Instagram the other other day. Mm. You can just go to Instagram, it's Anna Delvey. She posts stuff, like, really funny stuff. Like, just, like, there was one of her in her prison, like, outfit, but then with her Celine glasses. Mm. And there was, like, another, like, little sketch cartoon of her saying, but I'm too pretty to go to jail. Like, she's just (laughs) totally embracing her ridiculousness. She's also, I think, like, getting money on the down low. So... Netflix um, bought the rights to the article that The Cut wrote that Mm. um, Neff was interviewed for. And Shonda Rhimes is producing a show on Netflix about her based on that article. And Anna was reportedly getting paid a fee through her lawyer for that Netflix series. Mm. But then they found, like, the courts found out about it. So Netflix was like, oh, no, we're not giving her any money. But I reckon, like, there is some deal down low way that... She's getting paid, definitely. It goes through some corporation that goes to somewhere that goes to somewhere and she Mm -hmm. ends up with money. Neff is also a consultant on that show, so Neff is getting paid as a consultant for that Netflix show. Mm -hmm. Rachel eventually got a $300,000 book deal Mm. to um, flesh out the article she wrote for Vanity Fair. She published a book called My Friend Anna, Mm. which is just... I swear to God, I got through it in a day because Mm. it's just ridiculous, like how she got defrauded, but mm. also you don't feel that sorry for her because she's just like this rich girl from Manhattan. Mm. Um, that uh, book also, uh, the rights to that book also got sold to HBO. Mm. So HBO is making a series based on Rachel's book. And I love that Lena Dunham is the one producing that one because I was like, of course, Lena Dunham would relate to the rich girl mm-hmm. like <laughs> in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, didn't realise that her billionaire friend wasn't a billionaire. So Rachel's book is getting made into a series for mm. HBO with Lena Dunham attached. Um, and so she got 300 grand for the book. The book's a bestseller, plus she would have got money from selling the rights. So Rachel's good. Plus mm-hmm. it took two years, but American Express eventually agreed to waive the $65,000 <laughs> So, like, it took a long time, but they were like, okay, fine, you got rotted. Mm -hmm. Um, So that happened. Um, Yeah, and so Anna's just in prison, all this stuff swirling around her that apparently she's loving, and she's just embraced this kind of 
sorry, not sorry. Like mm. a reporter interviewed her a couple months ago and she literally said, they said to her, are you sorry? And she said, no, I'm not sorry at all. I was trying to make something of myself and mm. I would do it again. Wow. She's the female Bernie Madoff. Well, kind, but... She's got that swagger and that confidence that just, I gave you know, her a crack. Yeah, fake it till you make Anyone it. Anyone who got scammed, it's their fault. They should have been and, smarter. Well, a lot of the stuff I've read about her, people have said male like male bankers and male people in the finance industry do this all the time. Mm. They like scam people, they hustle their way to the top and they make it and everyone's like, well done. Mm. Like you worked hard and you got there. And people are like, it's just because she's a young woman that like it kind of all fell on its butt. Mm. But I don't know if that's a fair assessment. But that's what people say. Like this is the way that you know, older, aggressive men behave in the industry all the time. Mm. And it's, you know, like, is she is she a scammer? Was it all a scam from the start? Or was she really thinking, I can hustle my way into high society? Imagine if she had pulled it off. Mm. Like, if she had got that $25 million loan, do you think it would have worked? Quite probably, Yes. Because if that was the new cool Soho house and, you know, celebs were being spotted there, then it was probably going to start turning a profit pretty quickly and then she'd be able to live off that. So, I mean, if she could lure celebrities there, then she'd be able to lure clientele that would be able to, you know, afford the really expensive membership fee. And then I can't even tell you how expensive the drinks and food are in there as well. So she'd probably start making some decent coin pretty quickly. So, you know, she could have... She could have pulled it off. Mm. She was close. She was very close. And can I ask, obviously she had a lot of chutzpah and Mm. confidence. Um, Was she beautiful as well? She's quite a striking face. Mm. She's very skinny, little kind of pixie-ish look. But no, not just average looking. And people said she wasn't that beautiful. She wasn't that charming. People said she wasn't even that nice. She just knew how to act like a rich person. She knew the lingo. Wow. You're looking at her. What do you think? Not what I was picturing at all. Yeah. Not at all. Wow. I mean, even the finance people, like, who were interviewed later said she talked like she had grown up around money. Like, Mm. she knew her stuff. Yeah. She does have that sort of Olsen twin-esque quality of being very petite and very expressionless. Yeah. Um, Like, just too cool to give a toss about anything. Yes. Um... Yeah, I can definitely see the hipster angle that she was probably working as well. <laughs> wow. So that's the story of the fake heiress, Anna Delvey, a.k.a. Anna Sorokin, who has said she'll get deported from America when she eventually gets released from prison. And she said um, she's probably going to go live in London. And I think she will make something of herself, to mm-hmm. be honest, because she's embraced the whole story that her lawyer put out there, that she's just a hustler who tried to make it. Mm -hmm. Um, She's completely shameless about, like, the fact that she is, um, you know, incredibly consumeristic and and shallow Mm. and all that stuff. Like, I honestly think that whole, like, the T-shirt, German heiress, and the T-shirt, like, my other T-shirt, well, why are you $60,000? That's just her summed up. Yeah. Like, she thinks that's funny and she loves it. Yeah. She'll probably wear that T-shirt when she walks out of prison <laughs> if she didn't have a stylist getting her something off the runway. Mm. So many merchandising opportunities. 
Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, notoriety is just as good as fame these mm, days. Exactly. Um, and she, she understands that. Mm. She understands that. Like, I honestly think she's a hustler and she's just going to use this whole thing to her advantage. I think she's probably thinking she's glad it happened. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, Mae West... This is almost 100 years ago. The fact mm. that she went to jail, it was only for eight days, but the fact mm. that she went to jail just catapulted her career. Yeah. Because oh, then the scandal What about how Martha her, Stewart embraces it? Became yes. best friends with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> Talks about her prison stint all the time. It gives you that extra bit of street cred that yeah. <laughs> so people I, want you more. It's fa- I Okay, I cannot get enough of this. I'm obsessed with this girl. So um, we'll put it all in the show notes, but um, I read the... The article that made her famous and that went viral is um, on The Cut. It's an article by Jessica Pressler. Mm. It doesn't really have a title. It's just like, just Google Anna Delvey The Cut, but it's in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also read Rachel's book mm. called My Friend Anna, mm-hmm. which although it's a little insufferable, it's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And every page you turn, you're like, she's not going to give you the money. Yeah. Don't give her <laughs> your credit card. <laughs> but she does. Um, and then um, follow her on Instagram because mm. occasionally she does a sneaky update from prison, which is the best. And then um, the show's coming out on Netflix and... Um, um, by Shonda Rhimes, and then the HBO show has started filming and it's got Julie Garner playing Anna, who um, is not a super famous actress, but she's been in a lot of TV shows. She's been she's in Ozark at the moment and she's perfect casting. Mm-hmm. So that's it. You know, I gave you just the gist, but if you want to know more, it's all there. You can go down so many rabbit holes with this girl. It's mm-hmm. Fascinating. That is such a good story. That completely passed me by. I knew nothing about this. Yeah. I can't that. Well, you know, I, I like my female scammers. Oh. So I'm all over it. Um, that's it, my lover. Very good. All Thank right. Thank you. Well, till next time. Till next time. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Listener.